Despero. Book the Third. Gore, the Tale of Midgery Sal. Chapter 24. A handful of cigarettes, a red tablecloth, and a hen. Again, reader, we must go backwards before we can go forward. With that said, here begins a short history of the life and times of Midgery Sow, a girl born into this world many years before the mouse Despero and the rat Chiaroscuro, a girl born far from the castle, a girl named for her father's favorite prize-winning pig. Midgery Sow was six years old when her mother, holding on to Midge's hand and staring directly into Midge's eyes, died. Ma, said Midge, Ma, couldn't you stay here with me? Oh, said her mother, who is that? Who is that holding my hand? It's me, Ma, Midgery Sow. Ah, child, let me go. But I want you to stay here, said Midge, wiping first at her runny nose and then at her runny eyes. You want, said her mother. Yes, said Midge, I want. Ah, child, what does it matter what you are wanting, said her mother. She squeezed Midge's hand at once, and then twice, and then she died, leaving Midge alone with her father, who on a market day in spring, soon after his wife's death, sold his daughter into service for a handful of cigarettes, a red tablecloth, and a hen. Papa, said Midge, when her father was walking away from her, with the hen in his arms, a cigarette in his mouth, and the red tablecloth draped across his shoulders like a cape. Go on, Midge, he said. You belong to that man now. But I don't want to, Papa, she said. I want to go with you. She took hold of the red tablecloth and tugged on it. Lord, child, her father said. And who is asking you what you want? Go on now. He untangled her fingers from the cloth and turned her in the direction of the man who had bought her. Midge watched her father walk away, the red tablecloth billowing out behind him. He left his daughter, and reader, as you already know, he did not look back, not even once. Can you imagine it? Can you imagine your father selling you for a tablecloth, a hen, and a handful of cigarettes? Close your eyes, please, and consider it for just a moment. Done? I hope that the hair on the back of your neck stood up as you thought of Midge's fate and how it would be if it were your own. Poor Midge, what will become of her? You must, frightened though you may be, read on and see for yourself. Reader, it is your duty. Chapter 25 a vicious circle. Midgery Sow called the man who purchased her uncle, as he said she must. And also, as he said she must, Midge tended uncle's sheep and cooked uncle's food and scrubbed uncle's kettle. She did all this without a word of thanks or praise from the man himself. Another unfortunate fact of life with uncle was that he very much liked giving Midge what he referred to as a good clout to the ear. In fairness to Uncle, 
it must be reported that he did always inquire whether or not Midge was interested in receiving the clout. Their daily exchanges went something like this. I thought I told you to clean the kettle. I cleaned it, Uncle. I cleaned it good. Ah, it's filthy. You'll have to be punished, won't you? Gore, Uncle, I cleaned the kettle. Are you saying that I'm a liar, girl? No, Uncle. Do you want a good clout to the ear, then? No, thank you, Uncle, I don't. Alas, Uncle seemed to be as entirely unconcerned with what Midge wanted as her mother and father had been. The disgust clout to the ear was always delivered. Delivered, I am afraid, with a great deal of enthusiasm on Uncle's part, and received with absolutely no enthusiasm at all on the part of Midge. These clouts were alarmingly frequent, and Uncle was scrupulously fair in paying attention to both the right and the left side of Midgery Sal. So it was that after a time, the young Midge's ears came to resemble not so much ears as pieces of cauliflower stuck to either side of her head, and they became about as useful to her as pieces of cauliflower, that is to say, that they all but ceased their functioning as ears. Words for Midge lost their sharp edges, <clears throat> and then they lost their edges altogether and became blurry, blankety things that she had a great deal of trouble making any sense out of at all. The less Midge heard, the less she understood. The less she understood, the more she did things wrong. And the more she did things wrong, the more clouts to the ear she received, and the less that is what is known as a vicious cycle, and Midgery Sow was right in the center of it, which is not, reader, where anybody would want to be. But then, as you know, what Midgery Sow wanted had never been much concern to anyone. Chapter 26, Royalty. When Midge turned seven years old, there was no cake, no celebration, no singing, no present, no acknowledgement of her birthday at all, other than Midge saying, Uncle, I am seven years old today. And Uncle saying in return, Did I ask you how old you are today? Get out of my face before I give you a good clout to the ear. A few hours after receiving her birthday clout to the ear, Midge was out in the field with Uncle's sheep when she caught sight of something glittering and glowing on the horizon. She thought for a moment that it was the sun, but she turned and saw that the sun was in the west where it should be, sinking to join the earth. This thing that shone so brightly was something else. Midge stood in the field and shaded her eyes with her left hand and watched the brilliant light draw closer and closer and closer until it revealed itself to be King Philip and his queen, Rosemary, and their daughter, the Princess P. The royal family was surrounded by knights in shining armor and horses in shining armor. And atop each member of the royal family's head, there was a golden crown. And they were all, the king and the queen and the princess, dressed in robes decorated with jewels and sequins that glittered and glowed and captured the light of the setting sun and reflected it back. Gore, breathed Midge. The Princess P was riding on a white horse that picked up its legs very high and set them down very daintily. The P saw Midge standing and staring, and she raised a hand to her. Hello, 
the Princess P called out merrily. Hello. And she waved her hand back. <clears throat> again. And she waved her hand again. Midge did not wave back. Instead, she stood and watched open-mouthed as the perfect, beautiful family passed her by. Papa, called the princess to the king, what is wrong with the girl? She will not wave to me. Never mind, said the king. It is of no consequence, my dear. But I am a princess, and I wave to her. She should wave back. Midge, for her part, continued to stare. Looking at the royal family had awakened some deep and slumbering need in her. It was as if a small candle had been lit in her interior, sparked to life by the brilliance of the king and the queen and the princess. For the first time in her life, reader, Midge hoped. And hope is like love, a ridiculous, wonderful, powerful thing. Midge tried to name this strange emotion. She put a hand up to touch one of her aching ears, and she realized that the feeling she was experiencing, the hope blooming inside her, felt exactly the opposite of a good clout. She smiled and took her hand away from her ear. She waved to the princess. Today is my birthday, Midge called out. But the king and the queen and the princess were by now too far away to hear her. Today, shouted Midge, I am seven years old. Chapter 27, A Wish. That night, in the small, dark hut that she shared with Uncle and the sheep, Midge tried to speak of what she had seen. Uncle, she said, eh? I saw some human stars today. How's that? I saw them all glittering and glowing. And there was a little princess wearing her own crown and riding on a little white tippy-toed horse. What are you going on about? said the uncle. I saw a king and a queen and an itty-bitty princess, shouted Meg. So, shouted Uncle Back. I would like, said Midge shyly. I wish to be one of them princesses. Ha! laughed Uncle. Ha! An ugly, dumb thing like you. You ain't even worth the enormous lot I've paid you. Paid for you. Don't I wish every night that I had back that good hen and that red tablecloth in place of you? He did not wait for Midge to guess the answer to this question. I do, he said. I wish it every night. That tablecloth was the color of blood. That hen could lay eggs like nobody's business. I want to be a princess, said Midge. I want to wear a crown. A crown, <laughs> Uncle laughed. She wants to wear a crown. He laughed harder. He took the empty kettle and put it atop his head. Look at me, he said. I'm a king. See my crown? I'm a king just like I always wanted to be. I'm a king because I want to be one. He danced around the hut with the kettle on his head. He laughed 
until he cried. And then he stopped dancing and took the kettle from his head and looked at Midge and said, Do you want a good clout to the ear for such nonsense? No, thank you, Uncle, said Midge. But she got one anyway. Look here, said the uncle, after the clout had been delivered. We will hear no more talk of princesses. Besides, whoever asked you what you wanted in this world, girl? The answer to that question, reader, as you will well know, was absolutely no one. Read the next chapter, read the next chapter, read the next chapter, read the next chapter. Uh, I think we're going to stop. Read the next chapter, read the next chapter, read the next chapter, read the next chapter.